The Apostles' Creed has been with us for over 900 years, so why do we need to update it for something called the Sparkle Creed on this slice of fresh bread? Welcome to Fresh Bread, a podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. Pastor Brandon, Pastor Keith. Well, thanks for clicking on Fresh Bread. Fresh Bread, where we're bringing the truth of God's Word to a starving world. Fresh Bread Podcast 42. And today we're going to break down the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed has been around for a long time. Yeah, since since the early church. I think it was completed in around 480. So we're going to do that, and we're going to compare it with something that's come out of the progressive I'm using the air quotations, progressive church, if you can even call it that, they have come up with something to counter it called the Sparkle Creed. And so what I would like to do today is walk through the Apostles' Creed, the why and the where and and the why. Did I say why twice? I might have. It's kind of like dodgeball, the duck dodge down and dodge, you say dodge twice. I'm Pastor Keith, he's Pastor Brandon. So let's dive in. Are you ready to dive in? Sure. I will read, let me read the Apostles' Creed and then... And then we'll, I'll have you, Pastor Brandon, kind of break it down and explain it. So here's the Apostles' Creed. It starts out with, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. I quoted that many times growing up as a, as a Lutheran. I grew up as a Lutheran lad, and uh, there's a lot of doctrine and theology in that, that's, that paragraph. I, it's interesting that this, like I said, it dates back a long time. It was written at the church council by... Yeah, the, it's not sure. We're not sure exactly where, where it came from. Uh, other than the early church and and yes the church fathers it there was a there was actually some creeds that preceded it that i think it was handed down and and finally formulated to the current form that we have today there were some things that were added later some specific lines that were added later that weren't in the original but yes i mean i think by 400 the what we have here is was fi- finally formulated to to be at least very close to what we have here. so yeah i mean i, I think that what we have to recognize about the Apostles' Creed is, been you know thinking about this as I was preparing for this uh, for this podcast, and you know why would why is the the Apostles' Creed why does it why does it exist? And what we have to recognize is that you know back in that in those days, the even then, you know the the Scripture wasn't as accessible as it is today, and so you know they needed something. That people could memorize something simple that people could memorize that would summarize the Christian faith, and so I think what you know they landed on was this. Now it doesn't encapsulate everything that we believe as Christians. I mean, we there's doctrines, there's many doctrines that we believe more more than what we have here. You know, as a matter of fact, Doctor Albert Moeller says that 
all Christians believe more than is contained in the Apostles' Creed, but none be- can believe less. And I think that, you know, what he's trying to show there is that there is a minimum, this is a minimum level of doctrine. But again, I go back to in a society that didn't have access to the scriptures, at, at least to the level that we do, you know, that they didn't, you didn't have a Bible, you know, in every house. And so there needed to be, they, there was a need and, you know, for these kind of creeds that simplified things that you could memorize and catechize, if you will. And this isn't a catechism, it's a creed, but, but it's the same idea as a catechism where you memorize truth and, you know, that, that, that it's an easy way to, to be reminded of these, these the essential truths that, you know, of the Christian faith, that it, it really is a minimum level of, you know, I have to have at least this understanding to say that I'm a Christian. You know, that I, I, if I believe less than this, or if I believe something different than this, you know, I can't call myself, I can't be a Christian. Now, I can believe more. I mean, you know, there's things that, that it doesn't speak of. I mean, it doesn't speak of, you know, how Christ is going to return. It doesn't, I mean, there's just so many things that it doesn't specifically, I mean, it, t- mm-hmm. it mentions the church, but it doesn't, you know, there's not a deep theology of the church here. It mentions, you know, salvation and the forgiveness of sins, but it, there's not a rich theology of that. It's just, you know, it just states it as a fact. So, yes, I mean, I, I, I certainly don't see this as, I, I, I see it as a minimum like that. But not, now, having said that, I, I read an article by MacArthur about the Apostles' Creed, and we need to be careful, you know, like I think it was Chuck Colson and, um, I'm trying to remember the other person, but that he he quoted in the article, and and you know they they tried to say that you know that this is sort of the you know like the if you believe this you're a Christian, right? This is mm-hmm. if you believe the Apostles' Creed you're a Christian, and you know MacArthur challenged that, and that you know there are people who are you know heretical that would say that they believe these things, yeah. and so so we can't we shouldn't see it as the arbiter of whether or not we're a Christian either. And so, I mean, it is, I think we have to just see it as a, as this is a minimal pre- representation of Christian doctrine. Could you call it like a nutshell? Yeah, I think you could. I mean, again, going back to, you know, a largely illiterate society that doesn't have access to the scriptures, this would be invaluable mm-hmm. to have people in you know that are that are part of the body of Christ to memorize something like this. I mean, to verbally memorize it so that they have it in their minds of this is what we believe, and so that when error comes along that contradicts these things, that at least they have that level of understanding that that they can recall as a creed. Let's let's just go. Let's just walk through the Apostle Creed quickly and and try to break it down a little bit. So it begins with I believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth. So that is a true statement. We see that in scripture. Yeah, I think I think it's in, incredibly important to note that it's that it is a creed. It starts out with I believe. And so, you know, what we're saying is is that this is not just a statement of fact, but this is a statement of faith. Mm. Uh, this is what I be- I'm believing, I believe in. I believe that I believe that there is a God. Uh, I believe that there's a God existing as the Father. Um, who is Almighty? I believe that He created. He's the Creator of heaven and earth. Um, you know, again, that doesn't doesn't give. There, there's not this incredible, you know, rich theology of what that means and what you know what the 
that that you know what that means in terms of in terms of the implications of that it just gives the facts that you know there is a god that is the creator who exists as the father and he created the heaven and the earth the heavens and the earth and so he he's the almighty creator i think that's again that is a that's a minimal amount of information that i need to understand in terms of being a christian and it does begin i so it has the uh individual yeah. it's not a we yeah it's a creedal yeah creedal idea okay it talks about god the father almighty so god is neither male nor female but jesus referred to him as his heavenly father yes i mean so we see him as in the masculine yeah yeah i mean and that's that's how jesus referred to him that is the correct way to pray to God, the Father. He is a yes, our yeah, heavenly that's, Father. That's biblical. I mean, okay. I, and I think that's what we have to recognize here is that these things are these truths are derived from Scripture. Yeah. I mean, that that there's nothing here. It's not truth in and of itself. It's truth because it's derived from Holy Scripture. It's derived from the Word of God. It's taking the Word of God and, and like we said, nutshelling it into yes. this. Okay, so God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That's Genesis, right? Genesis yeah, Genesis 1. chapter 1. Okay. I mean, that's what, we're, that's what we're seeing here is Genesis chapter 1. And in Jesus Christ, his only son. Yeah, that's, that's John 1. I mean, so that's a connection, you know, of, of that's the connection from Genesis chapter 1 to John chapter 1. Um, the, the truth that God is, and John 3, I mean, he's his only begotten son, John three sixteen. But but yes, I mean it's just you see in the in the Apostles' Creed. Oh, by the way, the Roman Catholic Church would say that that the the apostles were the ones that actually penned this, and and they, they're the ones mm. that put it together. And and that's why I mean that's why it's called the Apostles' Creed, and that according to them, and that there's twelve, there's twelve, and so all twelve contributed. Oh. Um, but I, you know, I think that, I don't think that the, I think it's the truths that they taught. You know, because I, that, I mean, they penned the scripture, and you know, under either they did, you know, wrote or it was wrote under the written under their authority, the, the New Testament, that is. But I don't see this as being um, directly from you know the apostles. So, but yeah, I mean, you 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 were talking about um, what was the next part that you were talking about? Oh, and Jesus Christ is only Son, and then I was going to jump to our Lord. So there's the Lord, the Son of God part, right? That yes, He is. He is the Trinity. That's almost getting the Trinity, right? Well, we're getting, yeah. I mean, it, it, the, the Apostles' Creed definitely has, is Trinitarian. I mean, because we see the Father, we see the Son, we see the Holy Spirit is, is in the next line. Um, and but, we're going to see him as our Savior. Yes. Crucified. So the Lord and Savior is included yes. in here. Yeah, which again, you know, the, he is our Lord. That's biblical. Um, that's, it's again, this is, these are truths derived from Scripture. Yeah, he's our master and our Lord. Yes. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's Matthew. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, very clear. Um, Matthew one eighteen, I think it is, that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Yes. Um, you know, that's, uh, again, this is nutshell truth that uh, that we, you know, you have to hold to. That, you know, I think it's, again, minimal. It's a minimal amount of truth that you that, that a Christian needs to hold to. And, you know, they, they certainly can't hold to less than this. If they say that he, if they don't hold it, he's conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's not, the, it's not the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. The virgin birth is an essential doctrine, right? And if there is no virgin birth. Yeah, there is no, there is he, no Messiah that, yeah. 
I mean, he's not the Messiah. If he's not, if there's no virgin birth, he's, he's not from the Father. And the important, explain the importance of the virgin birth. It's because if he was born from Adam's line. In terms of the sin, sinfulness, I mean, if he, if Adam was his earthly father, I mean, like Adam was his father, then he would inherit, he would have inherited yeah. sin from Adam. And, and because he was born of the Holy Spirit, that he avoided that sin curse. Yeah. That's why it's an essential doctrine. There. Yeah, absolutely essential. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, which is interesting. That why do you think they included that part? You know, that's an interesting one. I I I would argue, I would argue. I've I've had. I mean, that that was brought up in some of the things I listened to this morning. I mean, I think even in the MacArthur article, in his he wrote a blog article, and he said, you know, you don't, we don't need to know. That's yeah. not an essential doctrine, yeah. right? That's not an essential doctrine. But I think what is essential is understanding that this was a historical event. Like, it's tied to history. Like, Pontius Pilate actually existed in history. And Jesus Christ existed in Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, existed in history. I mean, so you can tie his existence to something that that actually we we know that, you know, that there was a Pontius Pilate. There was a, I mean, he actually existed. Jesus actually existed. It's a he's a real man who who existed in time and space. Yeah. And so I think that isn't that is an essential doctrine that it, that he actually is a man who existed. Okay. Was crucified. So there's the yeah, there's the crucifixion. Crucified, he died and was buried. So that's the gospel. That's and you can see the gospel in first off that God is creator, that he that he has a son who was born of the Holy Spirit. Now we're seeing that he's crucified, you know, suffered. He suffered on the cross. He was crucified. So he, so he died and, and he was buried. I mean, so yes, we see, we, I mean, this is the gospel in that, in that sense, for sure. And here comes the, uh, the part that, that some is hard to understand what's going on here. The next part is he descended into hell. Yeah. Okay. So that line is one that was added later. I don't think it was in the original edition of this, if you will. But, you know, that that line has been debated, you know, what that actually means. The men that I trust in terms of those who have, you know, would have commented on this, the ones that I trust would take that to be instead of hell, that should be that should be Hades. Hmm and not Gehenna. So Hades would be referring to uh, the place of the dead or, the, or death itself and the grave, I guess you could say, whereas Gehenna would be referring to a place of torment mm. and, you know, the place that, that where the spirits go to be tormented. But the people who, who I would trust would see this as him going into the grave, that him, that he was in fact, dead yes he was physically dead that he died and and so i don't think you know is this a statement of of what he did during that those those three days i don't i don't necessarily see it that way i think that you know when i read it and i when i if i were to recite it i would understand it as he experienced death now i you wouldn't be wrong if you you know use scripture and you went and got in, you know, in more into it and what potentially he was doing. And I think, you know, Peter talks about it in First Peter 4, you know, preachers of the spirits who were in prison, you know, that, that idea. I don't necessarily see that here. But yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't struggle with somebody. You know, I don't think they would be unorthodox to, to 
try to understand it in a, in a great in that in that way. So, and then here we have Resurrection Sunday, or some people say Easter. <laughs> On the third day, he rose again from the dead. Yeah, I mean, I think that again, that's a pretty clear. I mean, we, you know, Christians, I mean, you know, that we believe that he rose from the dead on the third day and on that first day of the week on Sunday. So it's just this is just an affirmation that that occurred. I mean, First Corinthians fifteen, you know, where Paul says that, um, you know, Paul talks about that and how that he was witnessed. I mean, that again, this is this is minimal information. I mean, this is a an almost a rudimentary, you know, rudimentary information in terms of what we need to believe as as Christians. And so, yes, I mean, a Christian needs to believe in the resurrection. Is this is this the main reason why we we meet on Sundays? Is that when everything changed in the Christian church, because Christ rose from the dead on Sunday, the first day of the week? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, for sure. We we meet on the first day of the week. You know, early early Christians, I think, would go into the synagogues on on the Sabbath on Saturday. Saturday. But I think Christians began to meet on Sunday because it was the day that that Jesus rose from the dead, and I think that was. You know, in time, that was to dis- there was a they distinguished themselves from, you know, the 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 Jews in mm-hmm. terms of that we met we meet on on the first day of the week. It, but it definitely, I think, is tied to you know this this resurrection idea that we that we meet on the first day of the week. He ascended into heaven. That's next. Yeah, I mean that's Acts chapter one. I mean that's that's the the disciples saw him you know go into heaven, and the angel said, you know you. Why are you? That you know, why are you you're looking here? I mean, he'll come back in the same way. So, so again, minimal. It's a minimal minimum understanding that he has. He is no longer here. He is has ascended. He is you know now. The next line says he yeah. is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Again, that that reaffirmation of the Father, uh, reaffirmation of him being the Almighty, that he's the ruler of all but that Christ is now seated at his right hand. So it's the affirmation that he's ruling from, you know, the Father's throne. I really like the fact that they threw in he is seated because that means it is finished. He's done. Yes. It's yes. all done. That's a good little yes. added there. They, from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. Yeah, I mean, I, that, again, yeah, I think there was another version where it says mm-hmm. the quick and the dead. Yeah. yeah. But a movie. No, yeah. not the movie, but the, the, the Quick and the Dead. The, yeah. Is that Eastwood? No, I think it was Sharon Stone and Gene Hackman. But anyway. Oh, okay. There you go. I didn't know that. little uh, trivia. But yeah, I mean, uh, this is the idea that, I mean, he is going to judge those who are living at the time he returns, and he will judge those who have died during the church age. Uh, well, really, he'll judge all the dead. Uh, this is the affirmation that he is coming in judgment. Absolutely no one will escape that judgment. Uh, you know, the writer of Hebrews says that it, all men are appointed to die and then comes to judgment. And so this idea that we'll, that we judge, Revelation 20, you know, the, the judgment there uh, that's described there by John, uh, again, an affirmation of this is the truth. And that's, yeah, there's so much there. There's so much, like, it's just rich with theology. Well, it is rich with theology. Again, the power of this is, is that it's something that can be memorized and something that can be recited, but but not just memorized and recited, but if, you know, when error comes in, I mean, it really is an apologetic. I mean, this is an apologetic hmm. for the early church to to be able to, if, you know, if there's error, I mean, these things are said in response. I mean, all of these things are said in response of whatever error that was that was creeping in. And so, you know, I think we have to recognize that that these things, there's a reason why these things are included 
in a creed like this, and, you know, as an apologetic, so that people would understand it. And it's a simple, it's a simple thing I can I can memorize. Again, you got to you got to think in terms of not every home would have had a Bible, right? Um, so they couldn't actually go to the Bible and say, yeah, I mean, it says right here that this is what happened. So to have this encapsulated in such a simple way was such an important thing for them. Yeah, I recited this a lot, and I I do have it memorized in my mind like it just sort of ingrained in you as a young kid growing up in the Lutheran church absolutely I think it's I mean it, it is it is important you know to have this level I mean in terms of this detail of truth and it's important to understand these again as Mola pointed out this is uh, you know we it's not everything you need to know but and it's not everything you need to believe but Boy, it's uh, it you know if you don't believe this, it's certainly yeah. there's a problem. So yeah, the next part of the creed, it's interesting why they th- they throw it in at this point a moment is I believe in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not quite sure. You know, just thinking of the flow here from there, they just figured it out because of the Holy, the Holy Catholic Church coming next. Would that be? Yeah, it could be. I mean, it it could be that that's what what the connection is. I believe in the Holy Spirit because I mean the the the, spir- the church is indwelled by the Spirit, so I think that probably that could be. And then you know communion of the saints. I mean the the fact that we have true fellowship in the Holy Spirit, um, that, that that could be the connection. Yeah. And we're when we're talking about the Holy Catholic Church, we're not talking about the Pope. No, it's interesting in the version that you have here on the screen, which actually is part of an article, but they actually have the Catholic Church. Catholic, Catholic as capitalized yeah. and meaning that that if I were to read that that I would potentially see that as being the Catholic Church the Roman Catholic Church but in all actuality that shouldn't be that should be at least the Catholic part should be not capitalized and I, I'm okay with capitalizing the church because it's the church but meaning the Catholic meaning universal yeah church universal meaning the church that existed Again, going back to the Pontius Pilate, that this happened in history. I think there's a there's an idea here that when you say the Catholic Church, the Universal Church, it's the church that has existed, you know, since Christ, mm-hmm. the church that has existed since Acts chapter two. That it's the church in history, and that I can have fellowship with any with someone in the church, whether they're you know, in from the 600s or from the 800s or from the 1800s or from you know now. I mean, if if they're part of the church, they're part of the universal church, and that's what's being understood here in the uh, Apostles' Creed. So the next part is the communion of saints. That's the fellowship of saints of all time. Again, okay. going back to that comment that I made about the the Catholic Church, the universal church. And getting to the last uh, sentence here, this one is big for me. I really appreciate it. the forgiveness of sins. Sure. I mean, again, that sins. you know we see the. You know, that's a, a truth that Paul, you know, talked about in Ephesians 1. You know, we've been forgiven of our sins. Ephesians 2, um, you know, that you know, we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but that we've been made alive in him. And so the idea of the forgiveness, and, and John talks about, John in First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and, for right, and righteous to forgive us our sins. So there's, you know, this idea and, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, that that is a that's a foundational truth that you know that you know as Christians we need that forgiveness and and that in Christ that has been provided. And then the last part here, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the you know incredible truth that you know Paul says in First Corinthians 15 that if if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then we're of all pe- all men to be pitied. That's the truth that we live for. That there is a that, that God exists. That Christ died for our sins. That we've been forgiven in Christ, and that we will be raised from the dead just like He was, and that in Him that we will have life everlasting. And so, again, I mean, this is um, wonderful truth that you know I can memorize, and and it, and it can be become a part of me. That when someone refutes something that's true i can i can go back to the apostles creed and i can say yeah this is this is true now having said that you know there there are people who are not christians who would be able to and in good you know and they would be able to in their own i they have their own ideas of what these things mean and be able to recite that and i, I there are unbelievers who recite it you know that it's a church I mean, even Roman Catholics recite the, the Apostles' Creed. And so we need to recognize that it's not this um, end-all, beat-all that I, if I believe this, then I'm a Christian. That, you know, that it's such a, I mean, I think MacArthur put it like this, that it's so, su- that there's some subjectiveness, there's enough subjectiveness there. So it's not, you know, the end-all, beat-all in terms of, I, if I believe it, I'm a Christian. But it is, as Moeller put it, it is the minimum. There's more that I need to believe. There's more nuance and understanding of, of Christian doctrine that I need to need to have and believe, but I certainly can't believe less than this. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I recited it as a kid, and I well, wasn't saved, and I didn't know what I was saying, but I memorized it. So, but it's interesting that the Lord used that. You know, that's the that's the power of creeds, mm-hmm. because the Lord, you do remember it, and now that you're as a Christian, you can look back on it and you can see the truth in it. And yeah. You know that's in you know embedded. That's in you know that's in you. I mean, it's part of you, and I mean that's the that is the power of of a, of a creed like that. Well, let's move to the. I hate to say this, but this is even a creed. But let's move to the Sparkle Creed again. The Progressive Church. This is what they have come up with. They've gotten together and and you wrote. Should, you should use your air quotes. The Progressive oh, Church. Progressive. There you go. Um, quote Progressive Church. Yeah, I don't know how much time we want to, I don't know if we want to dissect all of this, but I, I'm going to read it and then we'll go through it real quick. But this is just, wow. Yeah, this is it. You ready? Here we go. The sparkle cream. Sparkling. Hard to read it. Uh, here we go. This is how it begins. And here we go. I believe in a non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads, and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow... Okay, you better take over. I I can't keep going. Can Can you take over? Who shatters our image of one white light and reflects it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud, and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So, beloved, let let us love. I believe in glory. I believe glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. Wow. So there it is. Do you feel to, sparkly? I had, I had to help you. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't get through with a straight yeah, face. Did, but let's break this down. A little. Let's just do this quickly. We well, don't have to spend. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to spend as much time on this as we did the Apostle Creed. No, for sure. But I, I do. I want to say quickly. Obviously, this is you know they're they're using the 
the Apostles' Creed as a as a pattern for what they're doing, and you know they're they're trying. I mean, they're trying to refute truth. They are refuting truth, and you know, doing this, and and you know, obviously, anyone who would believe this this mumbo jumbo would be would not be a Christian, and you know, because it's not Christian. This is not Christian. So, so let's. I mean, yeah, let's 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 walk through it real quick, you know, and and you know, try to understand where it's coming from, you know, what they're doing. Yeah, let's just hit a few of these. I believe in the non-binary <laughs> God. Well, that one maybe could be. Yeah, I mean, again, that's a that's a direct refutation of the of the Apostles' Creed, non bringing out the non-binary part, um, whose pronouns are plural. That's, yeah, right. That's yeah, Hebrew. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're. <laughs> They're giving you know the progressive idea of of you know the transgender idea of not having uh, well not just transgender but but the progressive idea of not having the masculine pronouns or feminine yeah. pronouns um, again I mean that's just kind of a nod to that that modern notion that that we're non-binary and or that you don't have to be binary I guess you could say yeah. or that 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 man is not binary and. Neither it neither is God, um, so God can't be referred to as the Father. But God wants us to refer to Him as the Father, which is funny. Yeah, that's yeah. what He chose. So He chose that as as yes, His His the way He wants us to He wants to relate to us as the Father. And this is where it, now it gets off the rails big time. Is the next uh, part of this is I believe in Jesus Christ, their child. Yeah, which I makes mean, again, it sound like Christ was not eternal. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's the non-binary idea of child. Uh, it's the plural idea of there that that God. There's a plural. It's the. It's not that God is plural like we would understand the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. That's not that their idea. It's they're using they're using non-binary pronouns to describe to describe God. So it, they're being consistent in what they're saying. Their, their pronouns are plural. So I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, plural pronoun, their, mm. plural possessive pronoun. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, boy, yeah. <laughs> so I don't think a 10-year-old wrote it, but yeah, I get, well, I get why you would say that. And, then, and this is where I think they get confused maybe with Joseph a little bit here, who wore a fabulous tunic. I think that's a, I think that is a nod to the, the rainbow color, you know, the, yeah, that probably. they've adopted the rainbow, the colors of the rainbow, the color of the rainbow as their symbol, you know, for, you know, the, basically the LGBTQ plus movement, you know, the, the rainbow. And so, so I think that's the, a nod to that idea. Uh, yeah, but obviously sure. that, I mean, that, that tunic idea comes from a you know the joseph the coat of many colors that's what i thought yeah, yeah yeah but i think but i think it is more of a nod toward the the sign of their their sign you know being the yeah. rainbow we would you know that we would say we're stealing we're taking it back but yeah that it that it's a sign that god won't judge the world and and by a flood of waters again you know that the covenant the noahic covenant yeah, and then it says, he, and he had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. So the two dads, what is is that Joseph and God the Father, or what? What are they talking about there? Do you know? I, I quite frankly have no clue. Okay, you know what? I mean, I, I again, again, we're talking this kind of this modern notion of 
the fact that you think that two good dads can have a child is bizarre to me. Uh, but um, that's, I guess that's the the nod in terms of the Holy Spirit and the conception of Christ by the Holy Spirit. I I have no clue. I mean, but obviously they're talking about Jesus's birth, so I would assume that's what they're getting at. Yeah, and they kind of it's a little as the kids would say, it's kind of a diss to Mary. Mary's not even mentioned in here. Yeah, that, which is really weird to me that he's non the God, God is non-binary, but then they talk about two dads. I mean, I guess in some senses Jesus had two dads. He had an earthly, you know, Joseph, um, his earthly father, and he had the father, his father in heaven. Yeah, that's but, what I. But oh, I see. I, that's the Joseph you're talking about. So I'm sorry. I was I was on the coat. No, 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 I was I was on the tunic. So that no, the tunic part was Joseph in the in the. Was it yes. the Technicolor dream color? Is that the name? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was thinking about. But but he had an earthly father, Joseph, and Mary. Yes, that's right. And then that's what I'm thinking. God, that the must father. be that must be. But that's it's bizarre because it takes Mary completely out that, of the, yeah out of the picture. Like there's just like there's no female part of this, and I yeah, it's just bizarre to me. And saw everyone as a sibling child of God. So Jesus saw everyone as a sibling child of God. Well, it's, children so, of God. I don't. So it's saying Jesus. Jesus Christ saw everyone as a sibling child of God. That's what, so it's, I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw Saw everyone everyone as a sibling child of God. So everyone born is already a child of God. Is that what they're saying? Yeah, I guess that basically they, he sees everyone as his brother or sister. Okay. That he sees everyone as a sibling child, like that they're, uh, they're also a brother or sister. I mean, it's they're they're his brother or his sister, but they're non-binary. So I guess that yeah. I mean, it's this is uh, this is a confusing mess. Well, you think this is confusing? Listen to this next sentence. <laughs> I don't know if I can. I'm a very confusing person, but this confuses me. It says, "I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it." Into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I have no idea. Well, I, yeah, I mean, again, this is the. I mean, I, I think it's a. It's looking at the whole rainbow color. Is that like a prism kind of? Yeah, thing? They're, they're the idea that instead of there, instead of being you know one that we're there's diversity that there's diversity in humanity, and we would agree with that. And but you know that's not that that there is diversity, but not in the way that they're seeing it. Yeah, um, you know that they would say you know there's diversity in sexuality. Um, there's diversity instead of male and female. There's diversity. I mean, there's just so many different directions that that they go with these kind of things. But this, yeah, I mean, scientifically they're right that you know that there is that the white light gets refracted into a rainbow of of a diversity of colors. But yeah, is I mean, there a rainbow spirit? What is that? No. Is that a unicorn? <laughs> no, it what's the what's it? The pot of gold? It's the what's the the leprechaun? Leprechaun. That's what it is. No, well, this again, this is made up. This is okay. I mean, this is just obviously the rainbow spirit would be analogous to the Holy Spirit and but it's just it's just made up. There's no it's not grounded in truth in any in any way. I mean like there's just yeah. zero there's zero truth here. 
All right, and then moving on quickly. I believe in the Church of Everyday Saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the quilt. Yeah, nice. I don't know what quilt that is, but there's probably a quilt somewhere. Yeah, it's just, it's again, bizarre. I mean, I, it seems to be that they are this whole tunic idea that, that for whatever reason there's some connection to, to Joseph and the co- very very colored coat. I don't know. I don't know, but obviously the, the connection to the to the rainbow again. But I wonder if it's they look at religion as guys in robes, and so they're trying to utilize that as kind of their, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It goes on and says, whose feet are grounded in the mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. Now, the mud part, what does that think that it probably has more to do with just it's, an acknowledgement that we are on earth and that, you know, that there's a weakness, you know, we're grounded in mud, there's a weakness about us, and yet we have eyes to gaze at the at the stars so even though we're bound to this earth even though we're grounded in mud we have eyes to gaze at the stars and and be in wonder um i mean it's it's again i can't think of another word to describe it other than bizarre but i mean it's i don't even know who would believe this stuff like like i mean yeah i mean there is a sense we're grounded in mud there's a sense that that's uh, you know we're created you know, out of, out of the dust of the ground and we're going to go back yep, into the dust of the ground. And so, so I can see that, you know, I could, I can make a little bit of a connection there. And, and yes, we do guys gaze at the stars. I mean, the Lord gave us the ability to see the stars and yet, yet when he, you know, Psalm 19, when we, when we see the stars, when we see the sun, when we see those things, it should make us worship the creator as opposed to, you know, being focused on on something like that like the stars okay and then next it's in the last line here is i believe <laughs> this is a tough one to i believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love sounds like a beatles they got that from the beatles maybe yeah um yeah i mean obviously this is a this idea of acceptance that you know that love that love i mean i think that that it seems to be a nod that love is defined in more ways than one. You know that there that that love is love is love. That if I love some whoever I whoever I choose to love is still love, just the same as whoever you choose to love. And you know that. So if I if I choose to love as a man another man, that's the same love as you know another guy choosing you know you choosing to love a woman. It's no, you know, they're just, I think they're just saying that there's no difference. And, and so we just need to, it's just, it's all love. It's all love, baby. And, you know, and we, you know, we did a podcast. I've actually thought about this all often. We did a podcast a few, well, a few months ago about love and truth. And, you know, love, love is bound, is, is bound to truth. We don't, we're not, we're being unloving if we don't live according to the truth, if we don't love according to the truth. This is flying in the face of that, you know, that, that basically whatever I define as love is love. So, I mean, I think you could even say it that way. That's what, that's what they're saying. So whatever we define is love. And if you say it's not love, it's still love. You know, that's what they're, that's kind of what they're saying. And I love how you said it. And I think it was our very first podcast. Yeah. You said, who defines love? And it's, yeah, it's, it's, God. it's God in his word. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's amazing. But yeah, love trumps all, right? Except maybe Trump, but 
There yeah. you go. It does. Yeah. That's their belief. Yeah, they believe they love everybody but Trump. <laughs> well, I <laughs> I no. always think it's funny that these yeah, there are people that that say love is the answer. We have to love everyone, but but then when it comes to other people that don't believe what they believe, they yeah, there's a lot of hatred. There. Yeah, there's a lot of hate. <laughs> so yeah. it it is it the the double standard. But they're is, justified in hating because we're unloving. Yeah, I mean it's yep. That's, that's how twisted it is. Uh, it says so, beloved. Let us love. So that's what you were saying. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. Yeah, I believe. And he's speaking to God, glorious God. Not, in God. Yeah, this is not the God of heaven, by the way. Yeah. And this is satanic. Um, and uh, so when, when they say, I believe, glorious God, I, I would take that to be uh, satanic. And it's, you know, help my unbelief. And again, you know, it's, it's again stealing from the Bible. You know, I believe, help my unbelief idea. I mean, this is not, this is bizarre bizarre world i don't know who would i don't know who would believe this stuff yeah yeah right i mean it's i believe i can understand putting this in there i it's like who would believe this <laughs> i mean really i mean who would i mean i i this is so so hollow and empty and and worldly and this is i mean but this this is so empty and, and you compare that to what the apostles creed is how historical it is and how you know, how much truth is there and what the church has believed from, you know, throughout the church age. I mean, not even comparable. I was just thinking of that too. I was thinking if this is a scale and you put both these on a scale, the Apostle Creed is much heavier and thicker. Oh, yeah. And this is much lighter. And, uh, yeah, again, we're the whole reason we do this is we're trying to show man just can't take make up their own things and, and make them Christian. Yeah. Right? Let me ask you this. So... Would you die for the truth in the Apostles' Creed? Yes. Defending the truth that's in the Apostles' Creed, absolutely. I mean, that's the. I mean, those are the those are the you know the core tenets of our faith. Again, it's not everything, but it's but it's some. It's very all those things are very core. I would definitely die for the truths that I find in, the, you know, in the in the Apostles' Creed, in the sense of, obviously, a biblical understanding of those things. But, but who would die for this? Yeah, exactly. And there's no mention of Jesus's death and burial and resurrection. It's just that he wore a fabulous tunic. I mean, wow. Well, we hope this hope this was beneficial. We're where we were trying to compare the progressive quote <laughs> the progressive church and the historical church, the two different rivers, the streams that they're that they're flowing. Yeah, just the the way that that people are trying to change things to make it fit what's going on in our world. Whereas the Apostles' Creed is something that's been around for a long time. Sparkle Creed, I think, will end up in, in a van, sheep of history. In a van down by the river. <laughs> You've been listening to Fresh Bread, the podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org. And thanks for listening.